murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record, hope got all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cub. Big thanks to Carlton Zeus for the music. You go check them out. That's Alpha Child. Go check them out at www.carltonzeus.com or Apple Music. So it's been a, uh, it's been a little while since uh, we've had all three of us on here. We finally got our schedules together at least for an hour or so. And uh, we have a lot to catch up on. We were going to do the uh, start off with the Bill of Rights episodes on this one, but we're going to have to slide it back. We have not had time to prepare. Luke's been gallivanting around the coast of Texas. Roger's out losing his life savings on the slots in uh, in Vegas. And uh, I've been too busy at home doing a, doing a whole lot of nothing. So... I don't know, Roger. So we can have, dude. There's so much to cover. Um, well, why don't you give us an update? Is, why don't you give us an update on your 75 heart? Because you're you're right, down like so, the last two weeks, right? Last 10 days, 12 days, dude. So I've got. Uh, let's see, what's today? December fourth. Fourth. Yeah. So I've got 13 days. Um, so 13 days. Right now, last I checked, and I don't weigh. I don't weigh myself every day. Um, last I checked, I'm down 16. Uh, 16 pounds, but I, I know I'm down at least probably three or four notches on my belt. Uh, easy. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Um, but I've been, I probably put on just a tad, of, you know, just a little bit of muscle, uh, cause I've been, uh, I've been in the garage slinging, slinging weights around, uh, fairly consistently. So, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, man, it's been good. Uh, my first uh, my first meal though, when uh, when I'm done with this, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Five Guys. I'm getting the uh, I'm getting the triple patty, a large order of fries, and I'm going to probably drink an entire bottle of bourbon um, <laughs> when I'm done with this. You know what? And, and you're so, going to find out what I did. That you know you can do that for 75 days, be that strict, and it takes all of like 22 minutes to undo all of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because you know sitting down uh, last. You, the wife and I were talking and, uh, you know, cause she's doing it too. She's lost. She's dropped 20. Um, she's dropped 20 pounds and, uh, she was already fairly thin to begin with. So, but she's even dropped some more. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, one thing you got, especially at our age, you know, it's like, man, it's super easy to put it back on, you yeah. know, when, when you're done with something. And, uh, so we just kind of, you know, sat down and was like, all right, this is what we're going to continue doing. And for the most part, everything that we're doing, uh, we're going to continue. We're really going to continue to do minus, you know, it's like, Hey, Saturdays, Saturdays, that's my day. You know, that's our day. If I want to eat an entire pizza on Saturday, I'm going to eat an entire pizza on Saturday. Um, you know, and the rest of the days are, you know, back to, uh, back to cleaning and kind of like what you were doing, you know, when, uh, you were on your, your, your tofu and cauliflower diet, um, you know, working to get some of your numbers and stuff down. So, We'll continue with uh, with most of it. I don't mind drinking a gallon of water a day. Um, I don't mind the you know the clean eating. That's fine. Um, you know, as long as I have a day that's you know it's like, dude, I can eat what I want and I can drink what I want. If I want mimosas at you know eight o'clock in the morning, I can have you know an entire bottle of champagne's worth of mimosas at you know <laughs> eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, and then a pizza for lunch. Um, that's so. awesome, man. No, that's good to hear. Especially, you know, because, you know, I just, I started the 75 hard, 75 day hard challenge. So I'm now on that program as well. When did you start? Uh, six minutes and 42 seconds ago. 
Awesome. But I call it, I call it, the, <laughs> <laughs> I call it the HEP B 75 day hard challenge because you know, you have, you have like series. So you, know, you get like, you got to take the first one then then the second one. And then when you miss the third one, you got to start back over and you do one again, then you got to do two and then you miss two and you miss <laughs> one. So I'm on uh 75, 75 day hard, uh, series three. Um, so Seriously. I have a feeling, yeah. So this iteration will probably last at least about an hour and a half, the, the length of this show. And then, uh, I'm actually staring at a bottle. I am in Vegas. I mean, it doesn't really count. I mean, I can, I can actually, I think being in Vegas, drinking beer in the morning, drinking liquor or whatever, you're kind of exempt from that. So we'll revisit yeah. that. Yeah. I'd be curious to uh, hear how uh 34.5 semi-flaccid is, uh, is going for <laughs> Luke. I mean, he looks good. He looks good. He looks semi-flaccid. <laughs> no, that's, well, let's check it. Yep. Good to go. I, uh, the other night, you know, in Galveston, I was in Galveston for a week and my general rule is, I general rule is I don't drink out. In other words, I don't order a beer. I try not to order a beer at a place or drink more than one beer at a restaurant or a bar or anything like that because it's just too expensive, you know? So I tend to, uh, drink at the house if I drink, you know, when I drink. Uh, so when I was in Galveston, you know, get together with, with folks who are, who are fun to be around down in the hotel bar and you have a few and then you get the bill and you're like, Oh man, not good. And so I do that one day, my cats be on outside, I do that one night. And then the next night I do it again, I get the bill and I'm like, you know what? And my wife was mad at me, uh, because I, I was down the, uh, gallivanting in the hotel bar too much. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a break for a little while. So I am going to do a 13 day challenge when Josh's ends, mine ends. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go dry for the next uh, couple <laughs> weeks. See how that treats me because I also got a comment from my father-in-law. He was talking to my wife and she was like, yeah, he's, he's working hard. He's out in the yard doing this stuff and whatnot. And he goes, Oh good. He's going to get rid of his belly. I was like, what the, dude, <laughs> not cool. So yeah, I, I'm going to, yeah, be a little sensible for a little while. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm doing okay on my weight and everything, but again, like we were talking about, it just goes away so fast and, you know, it, it takes so much longer to, uh, to get back in shape. Like Robert Downey Jr. said, you know, you work hard for six months and look good for six minutes. So it's just always good. You know, I want to practice what I preach a little bit and I don't want to, maybe we could jump into this. You know, there's so much to talk about with, as Joe Biden calls it, the Omicron virus. Uh, you know, Omicron is the real word for it, you know, and Unicron was actually the bad guy in the 1986 uh, animated Transformers film. So when Omicron came out, I was like, wait a minute, is this, <laughs> is this the bad guy Transformer? So anyway, I, I've, I've been preaching a lot. I think we all have about you know, how this thing has been handled, the whole COVID thing from the very beginning, uh, what we knew about it, what we didn't. And, you know, what, what we've all three preached is, you know, it's funny, the CDC, the government, no one has come out and said, you know what, lose some weight, get off the couch, eat right, or eat, eat better, drink water, you know, make yourself harder to kill. That has never, ever been preached. And, you know, I think that right before I got COVID, I think we, we, Josh and I kind of got in shape, Roger always kind of maintains. And, uh, you know, I, I just need to practice what I preach a little bit more and be, you know, work toward being harder to kill, uh, not just from COVID, but from from anything. So I want to uh, give an update real quick on Herschel Jericho and kind of kick this around the horn a little bit. So 
uh, Herschel Jericho and my mom uh, both got vaccinated uh, a while back. And they, they talked about it. They made an informed decision. They talked to their, uh, their doctors and they decided, you know, being the age that they are, they're both healthy, but they were like, you know what, we're, we're going to go ahead and get vaccinated. So they did. And uh, I guess last weekend, it was uh, the weekend after uh, Thanksgiving, uh, old Herschel Jericho came down with the COVID. And we were all kind of worried, you know, when your parents come down with the COVID, you get kind of worried. And, uh, you know, I was asking for updates and he handled it pretty well. You know, he said it was like a really, really bad cold. So in other words, the flu. And I think he's out of the woods now. Uh, my mom did a good job taking care of him. You know, she went to the store and got all the stuff and uh, made him rest and made him eat. And it, it's, it, the kind that, so, so he's out of the woods and my mom hasn't gotten it yet. She's okay. So that brings three questions into, into my mind and probably the mind of every American, which is where this whole thing has gone wrong. So either number one, the vaccine doesn't work, right? Cause you know, it doesn't work because he's still got it. Okay. So the, well, so it doesn't prevent transmission. Okay. That's, that's a fact. Or number two, it doesn't prevent transmission, but what the so-called experts have been saying is that, well, it'll keep you out of the hospital and it'll kind of, you know, minimize some of those more serious, uh, more serious, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like the coughs and the pneumonia and stuff like that. So that's number two. And number three is, well, maybe it doesn't, maybe it does work half the time because my mom hasn't gotten it. So there, there's all these questions that are floating around based on, I wouldn't say the misinformation, but just inaccurate information that's been going around from the very start. Does the vaccine work? Does it not work? Does it minimize, you know, the, the virulence? Does it minimize the deadliness? There's just so, still so many questions. And, you know, I, I could go on for a long time about Omicron, but it's all kick it to Josh and, you know, see what he has to think about Omicron, maybe what's going on in Australia, uh, Austria, Germany, and what that could mean for the U.S. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad your dad, uh, you know, pushed through it. Uh, I remember that picture of uh, of him standing on the patio that you shot. Uh, that you shot Roger and I. Like legit, when I first saw that, I thought he was standing out there on the patio drinking a beer. Uh, you know, uh, while he was you know suffering from COVID, I was like, Herschel Jericho <laughs> is a is a badass. Um, <laughs> so. So my dad also had, uh, also got COVID, uh, recently. Um, and you know, like yours, he was vaccinated. He did go spend, he had to spend about 48 hours in the hospital, uh, because his oxygen level dropped down into the mid eighties. Um, but you know, back to your earlier point as well, you know, your dad still runs your dad, you know, he referees, uh, football games, stuff like that. So your dad is, very fit. Um, my dad, you know, my dad is not very fit. Um, he's strong, but you know, the last time he did cardio, I couldn't tell you. And he probably couldn't tell you either. It's probably been a couple, a couple of decades easy. And, uh, and you know, that goes back to your point about that's what the CDC, that's what, you know, department of health should be pushing. It's like, Hey, everybody get off your couch and get outside and go exercise eat healthier, you know, the leading cause of, of death in the United States, it's not COVID, it's heart disease, you know, and, you know, all these folks running around talking about, oh, you need to get your vaccine, you know, so if it saves just one life, it's worth it. Okay, 
well, I'm going to smack that cheeseburger out of your hand the next time I see you with it. And dude, like if we want to play that game, let's, you know, let's play that game. Um, yeah, and you're right. Even got you know, even Gavin Newsom came out and was like, "Oh, this is seasonal." You know, talking about Om- Omicron, Omicron. You know, come on, man. The uh, <laughs> though, when that came out, you know, you had the doctor in South Africa. You know, even came out and was like, "Yeah, it's 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 a it's a variant, but it's like the symptoms were very mild." And there was like four people, you know, that had it. And like, but automatically it was, oh god. We got to lock everything down again. We got, you had, I saw very briefly, um, I think, hopefully somebody pushed their cart over in the parking lot and and, and stuffed them into it or something. But people started like, I need to go buy four or five packs of toilet paper right now and go start buying up with me, you know, because this one, because it's, you know, because the CDC and everybody came out and they were like, this one's more, you know, this one's deadlier. It's the deadliest variant yet. And, you know, we're all going to die and this one's going to be really bad. And, you know. Fauci's like, uh, you know, we might not be able to have Christmas or New Year's and, you know, we just, this one might be a bad one, blah, blah. And it's like, <sighs> and you're right. Yeah. You know, it's a great point. If there was ever time for us to have chicken pox parties, like now is the time. Um, like nobody was worried about that. He was like, you were a kid. It's like, Hey man, you're going to get chicken pox and guess what? You're going to be okay. And so let's just go ahead and get your chicken pox done and over with. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, it's, we, we have gone back to this, you know, this, uh, this COVID storyline, which is smart on behalf of, uh, of Pisaki and Biden and crew, because if they're talking about, you know, uh, you know, the Omnibots, then they're not talking about inflation, which apparently is not transitory anymore. It's, uh, it's here to stay. Um, they're not talking about, you know, the Gilzane Max, Maxwell trial. They're not talking about the Juicy Smoulier trial. Uh, you know, they're not talking about, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse trial anymore. Uh, we moved on from that, you know, so it's easy. They, hey, man, we can just talk COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, and, you know, we won't talk about the job numbers that fell woefully short of uh, a projected uh, goal. And we won't talk about the fact that you released 50 million barrels from the strategic oil reserves and you lowered the price of gas by two or three cents for about three days. Uh, And that was it. Um, So if we're talking about all, you know, if we're talking about COVID, we're not talking about all that. As far as what's going on in Australia, Austria, and Germany, Germany, Hey man, the Germans are going to German, you know, the Germans rolling around, you know, rolling people up and putting them in, uh, (laughs) putting them in ghettos and camps. I think we've seen that. I think we've seen that movie before. Um, I tell you, in Austria, I, you know, I saw the you know you guys saw the video coming out of uh, coming out of Austria where they're dude, they're just snatching people up off the streets. They are straight trunk monkeying them, um, you know. And then Australia, I, you know, you kind of you kind of get some. You expect a level of craziness from Australia because it's an island of prisoners anyway. Um, you know that they're all that they're descended from. So you're like, okay, there's a you know. There's always some craziness in Australia, but man, dude, I didn't, re- I did not expect Australia to go as communist as they did as quick as they did. Um, they were even getting people who have been exposed, not even people who tested positive. Like they came out and they're like, they tested negative. They're like, yeah, but you've been exposed. So you're going to go spend some time in this quarantine camp too. And you're like, damn dude. And so I, 
And so it, it just reinforces the point to where, you know, why people need here in the United States, people need to fight. People need to push back because if we lose freedom here, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere else to go. This is it. This is the last stand. And, uh, you know, for those of you who follow Jesse Kelly on Twitter, I'm going to kick it to Roger here in a second. Uh, you know, you follow Jesse Kelly on, on Twitter. He is a very much, uh, you know, he is like, no, we're not negotiating anymore. You know, all the negotiating from Republicans, um, you know, have gotten us to where we are, right? The Republicans, I'm talking about like, you know, Dan Crenshaw and Lindsey Graham and, well, we're going to take the moral high road. But you know what? Well, that's gotten us to where we're at. We're not in a good place. So now it's time to use the left's tactics and the left's talking points and the left's uh, policies against them. We we do the same thing. Um, this is not a, you know, we're not showing up to a gentleman's duel anymore. Like this is just straight back alley knife fight. Um, and we need to treat it, treat it as such. So I give it over to, uh, to Roger. Uh, I don't know if he's got any, uh, COVID news, uh, COVID thoughts he wants to share. He wants to jump into, uh, the recent SCOTUS, uh, oral arguments, uh, cause that's going to be a, uh, Ooh, that's going to be a barn burner right there. <laughs> well, well, Luke's given me the uh, I'm number one twice. And, you know, so I'm out here in Vegas and, and we're out here with some friends watching some barrel races and this stuff truly is regional. Uh, in Arizona, we have been back to normal for over a year. We had the initial lockdown that everybody else did. We had the mass thing that, that went a little bit longer than that, but we've been back to normal there. I mean, it's, you know, the stores put up, hey, we recommend, da 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 but nobody's locking anybody out. Everybody just kind of goes about their business, and it just it is what it is. But you realize that as you go to more of your bluer states, uh, it's not like that. And some of them have been, you know, COVID day one since day one until now. And it's like that here in Vegas. You know, it, it's weird because, especially with this stuff, and Luke's familiar with this. I think he grew up in a lot of this environment. But you've got a lot of folks here that are traveling all around. And, and I'll tell you... Uh, you know, when it comes to horse races and that type of stuff, and, and uh, they have, you know, they're having NFR. I mean, these are generally speaking from red states. All right. You get a lot of folks here from Texas and Wyoming and uh, Montana and, and, and this and that. And they all come here. And Vegas still has mask mandates. Right. And they have them in the hotel. And I tell you, I was kind of joking with these guys because this happened yesterday with, with my wife. I, this is all about like the Mike Tyson meme where social media and Facebook and being locked down, people have forgotten that like, yeah, you can get punched in the face for doing stupid shit. Like when you're sitting behind your keyboard and you're typing da 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 you know, your comments on Facebook, people are badasses, all of us, right? Well, I'll get there, you know, go F you, da-da-da, because you don't say it to somebody's face because they're probably going to choke you out. And I think people forget about that. So we're walking downstairs yesterday in the hotel and it's... uh. You come out, once you hit the main floor, you have to wear a mask. They have a security guard down there, you know, and I feel bad for the security guard. I mean, he doesn't want to do that. I get it. It's his job, right? Hey, got to wear a mask. Here's your mask if you don't have one. You know, it just says what it is. So just like everybody else, we come down without the mask. He's like, oh, you need to wear a mask. And it takes me a couple seconds. I put my on. My wife was walking next to me and she was getting ready to grab hers because it was like in her pocket or whatever it was. And this lady comes across the hotel He's like, excuse me, ma'am, ma'am, you need to put your mask on. And so, you know, she started at first, I was kind of freaked out a little bit because she started like, you know, approaching my wife. It's like, I jumped in the up front. It's like, whoa, what the fuck? And she just, you need to put your mask on. I'm like, whoa, who are you? You know, it doesn't matter who I am. You need to put your mask on. I'm like, look here, Karen, you need to just back the fuck off. 
and just let us be. And we, I think we were getting ready to walk outside anyway, uh, out, out to the arena. So just back the fuck off and, and let us, you know, let us do her thing. And she just kept going at it and at it. I'm like, who are you? And, and this is, so now this has become my, uh, you know, my new little mantra. It's, it's like, who are you? I'm like, lady, what authority do you, do you have to even fucking talk to me? I shouldn't drop the F-bomb, but I, I got fired up about it, right? It's, it's, what authority do you have? Who are you? Now, it's different if, like, hotel security came up and approached. Okay, they obviously have authority on their premises, private property. I respect that. And you know what? When security tells me to put my mask on, I don't push back. Absolutely, your property. I'm here. I'm choosing to stay here. If I want to stay here, I'll follow those rules and put my mask on. But here's a private citizen that's going to sit here and charge at my wife. Uh, and then finally, I'm like, you know what? You have no authority. Why don't you go get security? She's like, I'll go get security. I'll go get security. She's like, you wait right here. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the mentality of these people. Like, you wait right here while I go get security. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So I gave her the big double birds right there, man. It's like, put it right in her face. And she just kind of, uh, and we just walked off on our way. You know, but it's like, these, it, it, several things come up. One, it's the, you know, what authority do you have? Who are you? Just like, who am I, right? To go up to anybody, like, you need to wear a mask or, or this or that. It's, you know, unless you're in my house, uh, it's none of my business. But it's just the, the audacity of these folks, man. They, they forget. It's like, hey, lady, you are not on Facebook anymore. You know, I was at the McDonald's drive-thru this morning, and I have a pickup truck, and I've got a, a hitch on, on the back. I'm in the double lane, and uh, my hitch is kind of blocking the second lane because I can't pull up any farther. You know, it's a drive-thru. There are cars in front of me. So unless I start going Bigfoot and, you know, trying to jump over these freaking cars, it's just not going to happen. And this lady pulls up in, the, in her little Volkswagen, her yep, yep, dog, and starts laying on the horn. You know, I'm just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I can't move, you know. So eventually we move, and then she can pull up, and she pulls up, and I can see her flashing, you know, whatever the hell she's doing. And so I roll the window down. I'm like, hey, roll the window down. Nope. Lock the doors. Put her head down right in her phone. You know, and not that I'm going to get out of the truck and, you know, you know, have any kind of physical altercation, but people forget. It's like, dude, you're not on Facebook anymore. You're not on Twitter anymore. You can just fire off that mean tweet, right? Sit there in your uh, in your bathroom, but on your bedroom. But back to the uh, back to the vaccine stuff. So it's it's interesting because I pulled up uh, the definition of vaccine from the CDC, and there are thousands of definitions out there. But I figured, yeah, you know what, CDC. So let's pull this one up. You know, a suspension of live, usually attenuated or inactivated microorganisms, uh, et cetera, you know, or example, bacteria or viruses or fractions thereof administered to induce immunity and prevent infectious diseases and their sequel. Okay, so you're there to prevent. Now, I understand breakthrough cases, so I get it. Nothing's going to be 100% right. It might be 99.95 or 98 or whatever. So one, the CDC, as of this morning, stopped reporting the numbers or stopped updating the numbers of breakthrough cases. So breakthrough cases are those who have had the vaccine that catch COVID, right? So this is from Oregon, and this is all the way through. Uh, this goes from October to, to November. Percentage of breakthrough cases, and they do it week by week, so I'm just going to read off about eight of them right here. Percentage of breakthrough cases, 297 So what that tells me is that almost one-third, so over one-fourth, almost one-third of COVID-positive tests that are are happening in in Oregon are folks who have already had the vaccine. And I would argue that by the definition of, you know, what the CDC says uh, the, the definition of vaccine is, it's not a vaccine. And now I'm not arguing 
get it, don't get it or whatever. I'm not, I'm not even arguing, you know, it's effectiveness or whatever, but I would tell you, it's not the end all be all. And, and you know what, maybe it's not a, I was thinking of a better term for it. I think it's more of a preemptive uh, therapeutic, you know, because I think what it, I mean, what it's clearly shown is that, okay, you probably reduce the risk of catching COVID. Maybe. I mean, you still don't even prove that to me yet. Cause I don't think the numbers are there. Uh, but you probably reduce the number or, or the probab- probability or the risk of catching COVID. But what you're really doing is, yeah, and, and Luke mentioned this earlier, gene therapy. What you're really doing is saying, hey, when you catch COVID, because you probably will, because if 30% are catching it, it's 100% in five years. Okay, I'm, that's just, you know, that's just mathematics. Okay, basic mathematics. So that just tells me that, okay, when you do catch it, well, if you've had this preemptive uh, you know, therapeutic or gene therapy that, okay, hopefully you don't have to go to the emergency room. And I'm fine with that. You know, sell us on that, then preach that. And, and it's not even selling us or preaching it. Just put the facts out there. I mean, you, you know, I've sit here and I actually had to stop because I'm real big into all these peer studies and this and that now, because, you know, you've got people that just, they, they throw numbers out or facts out. They're just made up. I mean, the one guy, you know, I didn't even know him. He's like, well, you know, COVID is number one killer. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, dude, you just literally lied about that. You just threw it out there, like, based on what? So what I've been doing is uh, pulling these studies down with masks and COVID and vaccines, and this, and, and I put them in my iBooks on my, on my iPad uh, because, and, and the studies go both ways, right? Some of them say, hey, they're, they're very effective. Some of them say they don't and this and that. But I'm like, hey, what is your, you know, what is your stance? What is your policy? Whatever. What is it based off of? And most of them can't tell you. It's based off of what they saw on CNN. It's based off of what they saw on Fox News. We talked about a little, you know, this with the Fox or the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. You know, most people don't have enough time to sit there and do the research or they just don't do it. And so whatever they, they see, uh, you know, Cuomo preach, which I guess they won't be seeing him uh, for, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, whatever he says on CNN, hey, that, that's what it is. That's what letter of the law is it's like, hey, why don't you go actually read this stuff? Do a little bit of due diligence, do a little bit of your, your critical thinking yourself, because going back through everything I've seen, and I've tried to be extremely fair with this, there is nothing on here, uh, especially, and, and you throw in our culture and our way of life, that show that masks do anything, okay? When, and matter of fact, when you look at charts and, you know, when mask mandates were implemented in the case of COVID, it's, it's an opposite correlation, right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's the exact opposite. And what you're finding is that it's less and less to do with mass and more about, hey, what's your overall health? How about your own personal hygiene? How often are you getting outside? That type of stuff. And, and I agree with Josh. It's like you should have taken, the government should have taken the last two years to really put, hey, folks, a lot of folks are at home right now and this and that. Uh, now's the time to get in shape. Now's the time to get out there and walk that dog th- two or three times a day. Now's the time for you to go out there and jog. And hey, you're, you know, you're not, you're, you're not subject to eating at McDonald's for fast food for lunch every day. You're at home. So now's the time to start eating healthy. Let's throw some vegetables in there, that type of stuff. Because it truly is a holistic approach, right? It's not just a, a one shot, one kill. And unfortunately, that's what the Biden administration during the campaign, that's what they ran on. They ran on that. But I tell you, it's got nothing to do about that. It goes back to, you know, to what Josh said. How many Americans are still in Afghanistan right now? that still can't get out. Uh, and they had uh, an interview a couple of days ago that the guy was like, yeah, I'm still trying to get out. And the state department's like, Hey, you can't go directly through us. We have to take you to a third party, which is probably the Taliban. And, and, you know, hopefully, you know, you can get out. Uh, what's happening out down at the Southern border, you know, gas prices, even Josh was, you know, he was being generous about it. Even the two or three cents that was theoretical. 
it didn't actually, your gas prices didn't actually drop two or three cents. What they said was, well, hey, if we release 50 million barrels, then in theory, eight weeks down the road, because it's six to eight weeks before you actually see that change from the, the price of crude oil when it's bought before it gets refined and actually hits the pump. And it may even be longer than that now. But that was theoretical in six, eight, 12 weeks that you might actually see or two or three week or two or three cent drop. And right after that, what did OPEC do? OPEC came out and said, eh, we're going to go ahead and decrease production. You guys just started releasing some barrels, so we're going to go ahead and decrease production. So it had the exact opposite effect. And on one hand, it was the, well, presidents don't control the price of, of oil. Some extent, right? Not control. Do they influence? Absolutely. To all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and Josh made a post on this, I think, on our Twitter. You went from, not even within 30 minutes, well, the president has nothing to do with the price of crude oil, to look at what the president did. There was a drop of two cents. But if we're talking about COVID, which people still largely see as part of the Trump administration, we're not talking about those other things. And it, it's, Josh started a new job, and I don't want to get too far down into it, but he, he's out in the commercial sector. And it's, uh, I keep telling him, I was like, hey, man, be prepared to be disappointed, you know, because th there are some folks that uh, I, you know, some folks I look up to uh, coming out in the commercial sector. I'm like, man, I'm getting ready to have my mind blown. I mean, these are some smart you know, freaking guys and gals out there. And, and there are some of them. Majority of them, man, it's like, I don't even know how you're breathing. It, it, they're heads of lettuce. You know, you sit there and you're like, I'm still waiting to be wowed. And when you look at what the, uh, you know, the administration has done over the last year, and we're no different than our audience, our listeners. Any one of our listeners in our audience saw this stuff coming. I mean, when Fed Powell came out and said, this is transitory, 99% of our audience minus Bonnie said, uh, no, this is going to be around for a while, right? I mean, I, I, we all knew that. We get questions all the time or some comments here and there all the time when it's like, uh, how does this work? No, the people are not stupid. And so we're able to do that. We're able to see that. It's like, what is the administration thinking? You know, it's like, this is clear as day to a lot of people. So I know, Luke, you've got a little bit to, to chomp on that. So I'll kick it over to you. Okay, Josh, I'm going to ask you one question, just yes or no answer. And uh, if someone is illiterate, are they stupid? If someone is illiterate, if they can't read, does that mean they're stupid? No. I agree. So, you know, I, I'm going to give some like philosophical thoughts on, you know, kind of a lot of the stuff that Roger said, some of the stuff Josh said, and then we'll get off the subject of COVID and, and all this stuff and uh, go where Josh wants to go with it, which I hope I, I, I hope he goes a certain way with it. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, in my job right now, you know, I do a little bit different job than I've done before. Same principles, but it's a little bit different. And, you know, I'll go talk to some people, you know, Roger mentioned the Southern border. Uh, some of it has, you know, there's some COVID stuff involved. Uh, and, these people that I work with, a lot of them will say, dude, what's up? What's up with this policy? What's up with that policy? Because we're seeing something totally different on the ground. Uh, we're getting, you know, word that the policy is not so strict, but we haven't let up one inch. And, you know, I, what I've come to the conclusion is that, and I know it, it, that may seem kind of vague what I'm saying, but I've come to the conclusion that there are two realities that, we're operating on, not just in the United States, but the whole Western world, definitely in China, two realities. And one reality is the narrative. And the narrative comes from the media to include social media. The, the narrative comes from Washington, D.C. 
so on and so forth. That's the narrative. That's what everyone's supposed to believe. And then there's reality of what's going on on the ground. There is an incredible disconnect right now. You know, Roger was saying it in Vegas with, you know, a certain community that moves around a lot. That It's reality to them that they don't wear masks. It's reality to them that they had COVID and they've gotten over it and they're just going to keep going. It's reality to them that I cannot stop working. I cannot stop traveling because of this thing. I can't do it. A lot of people can because they're subsidized, but two different realities in this world. Populism has not gone away. It's, it hasn't gone away. I've said from the beginning, I don't think Trump was the perfect avatar to be president. I will never say that. But he represented, he represented that disconnect between the narrative and the populist reality. The reality of what's going on right outside my window. The reality of what's going on in the Walmart down the street. Even in New York City, not everyone wants to live like that. People are ready to explode. There's this disconnect. And we haven't seen a disconnect between two different narratives like this, in my opinion, since the early 1300s, or the, I'm sorry, the early 1400s in the state of the world. And in the early 1400s, the majority of the world was, was illiterate. There was a disconnect between, you know, there were serfs and, you know, you had the royalty and all that stuff. And the, the reality that the royalty experienced and tried to pass down was mainly through the Catholic Church back then. And the reality on the ground was different. Yes, I'll go to church every Sunday, but I still have to hit the fields and all this stuff. Um, people were illiterate. There was the reality they were being fed and the reality that they lived every day that had nothing to do with what they were being fed from the landowners, you know, which were very, very, very few back then. Then something came along in 1436 called the printing press. And from there, there was just over the next hundred years, literacy rates went up by, I mean, exponentially. And the world really changed because the realities started to match each other. It was a very bloody time uh, after the printing press was invented and started to, uh, you know, you had the Reformation and an Enlightenment, and it brought about, you know, we wouldn't have an internet now without a printing press. I, I believe it's the most uh, significant invention uh, in the modern era in the past 2,000 years, actually. So I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is this disconnect is not just going to keep happening. There's going to be some sort of disruptive technology or something that's going to change this around to where the reality that the majority of us are experiencing is going to start to catch up with the narrative reality. And it's not going to be pretty because of the just the disconnect. You know, the, the top headline in Drudge, yes, folks, I'm back on Drudge. Uh, the very top <laughs> news story was... Yeah, and it, it kills me. And I'm now. watching the NFL, so I, I'm with you. I got it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Dogs and cats living together. Um, but that top headline was Americans are numb to COVID. And it's like, well, that's not news. That news is about a year old. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, and I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I'm not even going to say it's going to happen in my lifetime. But there's going to be something that happens that is going to wake people up on a level of the printing press and it's not going to be pretty and i hope it goes the right way and i hope we reach a new enlightenment maybe elon musk has something to do with that with his little brain chips and stuff but somehow we've got a the populace the populace yeah sorry the population is going to get on the same page it's going to force the leadership quote unquote and the mainstream media to get on the same page they're not going to have a choice it just can't this is not sustainable 
So that those are kind of my thoughts. It's kind of rambling, but I do believe we're in a pivotal time because of the disconnect I see. It's not a disconnect, though. I mean, the thing is this. It's not a disconnect. It's, it's the government that is continuing to subsidize as much as possible because, I, you know, when you say disconnect, and I'm not disagreeing with you, it's the you've got a lot of people that want to live that way because they just don't want to work. Because they bought and into a, the – yeah, I, I agree. I agree shit. with that. I want free shit. I'm saying the disconnect – I'm saying the – I agree. Agree. Uh, that's a – Yes. I think that the disconnect that I'm more talking about is a disconnect between reality on the ground that the majority of the population is experiencing, whether they buy into it or not, and what they're being fed every day. And what they're being sure. what they're being fed as far as a one point five trillion dollar infrastructure bill. That doesn't match reality. It doesn't. How does that affect anyone? Like, how does that affect anyone? You really have to be educated and, and dig into it and be have a level of cognitive dissonance to think a $1.5 trillion, how many ever page infrastructure bill is going to benefit you. It's not. So that, that's right. kind of the disconnect. I know it's, it's, it's esoteric and it's, it's kind of weird, but no, I, I yes, I you're right. It. You're right. I think a lot of people are feeding off the disconnect and those, and that's what's keeping any sort of disruptive change from happening is we'll just keep feeding you yep. money. And what have we said, Josh? What have we said? Joe Sixpack, Joe and Jane Sixpack will put up with damn near anything as long as they, they have their cell phone, their internet, food in the fridge, just enough to eat and push it, you know, and they can push that Overton window to where, well, I, you know, cream cheese is my favorite food and I can only get that, you know, every third time I go to the grocery store because I can't find it, but I still have cream cheese. And then eventually it's every fifth time. And then eventually you can't find cream cheese anymore. So I'll turn to the cream cheese substitute. Now sour cream is my favorite food, you know, or whatever. And it's, it's an, it's pushing that Overton window and eventually the AC is going to go off in the summertime or the heat's going to go off in the winter. Because it's just there's whatever. Okay, I'm I'm getting a little far afield, man. <laughs> I, I I I don't know. No, I get what you're I, I get what you're saying, and you know, I mean, you see it every day with the media. Like our media is absolute garbage, and you know, and then you have uh, you know you have the the propaganda machine in Pasaki. So uh, Ducey asked her the other day. So you know. Most folks have heard about these uh, these smash and grabs, organized uh, lo- organized looting uh, events that are going on out in San Francisco. And Ducey, she said something about, well, it's because of COVID and the supply chain, and you know people can't get things, you know, to live and blah blah. And, and, and Ducey's like, hold up, he's like, you're saying that people smashing and stealing jewelry and purses is because they need those to live and it's all because of COVID has the supply chain all messed up. And she's like, yes, she gives like the Michael Jackson, you know, Ed Brown. Yes. And you're like that, that everybody knows that you're full of shit, but by and large, other than, you know, a few folks, nobody's going to call you on it. And you, people are just going to keep getting that fed into them and fed into them. And that is absolutely not reality on the ground. Um, you know, and there, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of examples. And she didn't even allow for a rebuttal. I mean, if you watch the no. video, she says, yes, Barbara. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've got new underwear for, you know, for president Biden, you know, yeah, and just, and they talked about, right from it. yeah. And they talked about Biden's congestion, 
you know, because the other day when he was talking, he was, you know, hacking up a lung and they talked about Biden's congestion for like 15 minutes. And it's like, hi, what, why are we talking about this? Why are we not talking about, you know, some of those areas you guys are talking about? You know, why are we not talking about the southern border? Why are we not talking about Americans still trapped in Afghanistan? Why are we not talking about skyrocketing inflation, which is not going to get any better? You can't pump that much of, you know, that amount of money into the economy and, you know, and expect it to end well. Uh, it's it, it's absolutely insane. And uh, and I agree with Luke. I think it is absolutely when it, when this all comes to a head and we may not see again, we may not see it in our lifetime, but I think it's going to, it's going to come and it's going to be really ugly. It's going to be very, very ugly. Um, and you know, if I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I hope it happens dude, in my lifetime and I hope it happens while I'm still young enough and physically able to deal with it. Two out of three of us were wrong about the last election, the last presidential election, two out of three of us. But if you look at these big picture things and see what Roger thinks about this, you look at these big picture things that we've been talking about, man, dude, I get so frustrated. It was Josh was talking. I was just shaking my head because it's like, man, this is very basic stuff. We called this, we called inflation a long time ago. And uh, so Roger, well, I guess my point, I kick this to you. I think we could really make a lot of money because I heard a radio program the other day about this hedge fund manager, right? And this hedge fund manager, all he does it is predict certain things that are going to happen. He's like a Nostradamus of, you know, events around the world. Like, are the Russians going to invade Ukraine or not? You know, uh, all these things. And I'm like, dude, we could do that. We've been right so many times. I hate to toot our own horn. And y'all, y'all who listen are like, yeah, right on, right on. But those of you who don't, I encourage you to go back and listen because bad dude, is this is just so elementary, and if the three idiots that are sitting here right now that you're listening to can call this stuff happening, oh God, oh uh, uh, yeah, inflation is because of a uh, of a supply chain. It's like oh Jesus, it's just so simple. Our, our listeners, you know? see it so too. do you think we can make a lot of money or not? No, you know what? I don't think we. Well, I don't know. Maybe we could make a lot of money, but I, our, our listeners are the same way. They see this stuff. I mean, there's no way that the common person can't see it this way. And, and it makes you wonder, you talk about the narrative, you know, just spin off that, the narrative versus what, what you know, reality. This is what gives, you know, it's mind boggling because then you have the administration sending the FTC after the largest retailers to investigate or demand data on why their shelves are empty. I'm like, really? I mean, do you really not know why your shelves are empty right now? I mean, come on, right? They They know. Do you really not know why gas prices are high? Come on. Everybody knows why gas prices are high. Do you really not know why inflation is as high as it is? We all know why inflation is as high as it is. Do you really not know why uh, employment, as far as the, the employment numbers, are, are you know up and down all over the place? I mean, we all know that. And that's what makes you wonder because I'm so sick and tired of hearing, uh, you know, not just Saki, but, you know, uh, Pelosi was well, 17 Nobel priests, you know, Peace Prize winning, you know, economist. That, yeah. You know what? And all 17 you know, little D-bags said that, you know, this was transitory. So right now you have no more. I mean, there you have no clout with me. None. Yeah. Anytime anybody, dude, well, first, anybody, anytime anybody ever throws the Nobel Peace Prize in front of something, all I'd be like, Yasser Arafat. Uh, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all you need to say. Be like, Yasser Arafat. Um, 
but this has been happening. This has been happening for a very long time. And people keep, you know, and, and people are like, oh, it's a, you know, they're, the United States is having a race war. They're having this war. They're having, this has been a culture war. It has been going on for quite some time. This is not new. It didn't start last year with George Floyd. It didn't start with Michael Brown. It didn't start, you know, with, with, with Trayvon Martin. This started decades ago, and it's continuing to, to move along. And this goes back to what Jesse Kelly was saying. Like, we have been losing this. Like, we have been completely oblivious or just, you know, as Luke said, the, the level of cognitive dissonance has, you know, forced us. It's just we, 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 have, we continue to lose um, continue to fail to gain the upper upper hand in this, and it, it's not us. You know, they're probably going to pay for it. It's our kids and our grandkids that are going to pay for it. Um, you know, you saw uh, the Democratic lawmaker. I can't remember her name. Uh, I she came out the other day. It was the day Scotus was having the uh, the hearing on the uh, Mississippi, you know, fifteen week uh, abortion ban case. And she came out. And she's like, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, there will be a revolution we are going to have a revolution in the United States. And it was like, well, you know, so my first couple of thoughts on that were, okay, your terms are acceptable. Um, we can have a revolution. I, I like, like, okay, fine, let's do it. Um, you know, because judging by the looks of, you know, most of you who are going to be the, you know, the quote unquote revolutionaries, um, I'm pretty sure I like the odds. And, uh, you know, and the second thing on that, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and throw the grenade in the room. There's a lot of emotion tied to uh, to abortion, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this: take the emotion out of it. Take the emotion out of it, regardless of what side of the fence you sit on. Abortion is not a constitutional right. It is not a constitutional right. I don't care if you're pro-choice. I don't care if you're pro-life. Abortion is not a constitutional right, and the federal government should have zero say in it. That should be a state issue. And before you idiots out there come at me with some bullshit about, well, that's how the Civil War started because, you know, states' rights and slavery and blah, blah, blah. You know what? There's an amendment. There is a constitutional amendment inherently burning, banning slavery. So don't come at me with that stupid bullshit. If you want a constitutional amendment allowing abortion, well, then go get two thirds of the states to come together, have a constitutional convention and follow the process laid forth in the Constitution to make it so. Or vice versa. If you want it banned entirely across the United States, do the same thing. But other than that, the federal government should have no say, just like in the case, just like marriage. I don't know. You know, it's like the state government, you know, it's like, oh, you got to get a license, you know, a marriage license. It should have no say in it. There shouldn't be a, there shouldn't be a marriage license, and the federal government has no say in abortion. It's not a constitutional right, and I challenge anybody to prove me wrong on that. So the Civil War thing, Josh, the Civil War, right? I, this is what cracks me up, and I can't take credit for this. I, I heard this one: um, the Civil War, right? Slavery. Anybody who says slavery it wasn't a big part of the Civil War is just stupid. I, it, it was states' rights. Okay, I got it, but it was it is slavery, right? Now there was a moral imperative. Uh, against slavery, right? So the South wasn't going to invade the North and say, you will have slavery. That was not going to happen. The North had a moral, because there was no moral imperative there. It was, a, it was a survival thing for the South, the way they saw it. So the moral imperative was the South is, we are going to go burn giant swaths of land to get rid of this 
slavery thing and along with, you know, maintaining the union, things like that. But it was a slavery thing, right? So let's go. And then these people are saying there will be a revolution if they overturn Roe versus Wade. It ain't going to, there will be, you know, riots and there will be marches. I get that. But the side that is for Roe versus Wade does not have a moral imperative, not right or wrong. You know, morals, you can, you can debate morals. The side that is against Roe versus Wade does have a moral imperative the way they see it. They are saving lives the way they see it. It's akin to the slavery thing, the way the North felt back in the day. So I got a very big surprise for those who think it's going to go down a certain way. If it goes down any way at all, it's going to be the pro or the anti Roe versus Wade, anti-abortion people who have the moral imperative to shut it down in states where it's legal. So people aren't looking at it like that. It's to me, I think I think it's funny. Um, I, I don't know. I the way I, I agree with you, Josh is hundred percent right. Nowhere in the Constitution. I think Clarence Thomas said it. I can read the Second Amendment where it says, you know, you know what it says, but I don't read anywhere. I don't, I don't read the word abortion or terminating pregnancy anywhere else. Now I'll give my last thought and give it give it to Roger about this. Is that look, man, there's. This has been framed as pro-life and pro-choice, right? If you look at like back in the 80s, uh, pro-life and pro-choice was a different animal than it is now. Now it's pro-life and pro-abortion. It's not necessarily pro-choice. People who are so, so adamant about having abortion be a a right, they're pro-abortion. The arguments they use just don't make any sense to me. Um, one of the arguments they use is, well, no one should be forced to share their body with another human being. Okay, well, if we follow that logic you know, down the rabbit hole, no one should be forced to share their property with another human being. So once that child is born, you know, well, you're, the government is forcing me to share my property with this child, my house, you know, my food, things like that. So it's a very nuanced thing. Uh, maybe we can do delve into this more. I think Roger's on a, on a time hack. I don't think we have time to really go into this. And I, I can give my personal beliefs on the whole thing, which falls along a naturalist uh, type philosophy. But um, yeah, it's kind of, I think a lot of people are uh, pro-abortion, man, and uh, not pro-choice. I, don't th- I think their arguments are dog shit. You know, I do like your moral imperative because I, I hadn't really thought of it from that point of view. And that could probably be an episode uh, all in itself because it does bring... You know, that, that, that's where your base is, right? That, that's what lights the fire. That's what you give you, it gives you the motivation to be on the uh, offense versus uh, the defense. Um, if you haven't had a chance to hear, and I was lucky enough, we were driving up here, and, and, and I think my wife was pissed because, you know, it, I talk a lot, obviously. Uh, we have a podcast. So listening to this thing, it's like I can't help for like every 30 seconds, like interjecting, like, like you're dumb. I mean, what are you talking about or, or whatever? But arguments from both sides. The prosecution and the defense, fantastic. Um, I'm not saying that everything was rooted the right way or that it made sense, but it, it, they were very articulate. Uh, it was extremely professional, and I thought both sides asked some fantastic questions. When I say both sides, I mean the justices, right, uh, as far as they're, they're able to Q&A the, the, the lawyers going back and forth. So um, hearing both the state and the federal government uh it is extremely educational, and I would ask anybody out there that, that you really want to see this process, go back and find I'm sure it's on YouTube or a C-SPAN replay or something like that uh, because it was pretty wild. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. But, you know, several things were brought up 
and uh, I'll just kind of throw it out there for our viewers as far as the, the, the summary goes. So, you know, the Mississippi, well, one, we called this months ago. We called this episodes ago, right? Roe v. Wade. I think, actually, I think it was like our, our first year episode, like three or four. I mean, we called this thing way early on and we said, hey, just, you know, knowing how the Supreme Court works and how, um, you know, how they have to take cases and accept them and this and that. It's like, hey, they're just waiting for the right case to come up. And the Mississippi uh, case was, was the right case. And it was one of the first ones. And they were saying before the, before the, the hearing, they're like, hey, this is based on substance and not procedure. Okay, that is huge. That means it's not letter of the law, the processes and the technicalities, right? They're actually going to the, to the root of the, of the issue there. And, you know, some, some very uh, good questions were brought up as, as, as well as rebuttals. You know, one of the big arguments from the prosecution side of the House is that they're saying the cost, right? Uh, the cost of contracep- uh, contraception. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks can't afford it. Uh, some places it's harder to find and this and that. And I tell you, Mississippi came back and he said, hey, the uh, cheapest abortion in Mississippi is at a minimum $600, and long story short, you can buy a lot of condoms with $600. Uh, you also look at the, uh, you know, obviously the, the mother's right and, their, and the right to protect the mother and her health and her welfare. Where does that uh, get mixed in with the baby's right? Okay. And so they talked about viability in, in 15 weeks. You know, that's four months. Right. And, I, and I'm taking away like the incest because I, from what I heard, uh, you know, the prosecution kept trying to bring up the extremes well, incest and rape and abuse. And OK, I think everybody on board was like, for, at least from what I heard, was like, hey, look, there, there are exceptions. You're going to have those exceptions. And, and no matter what stage you're at, you know, if the mother's going to die, you know, if she doesn't have the abortion at seven months, you know, that's the decision that she makes. And what, I, I, I didn't hear any argument against any of that, even though the prosecution kept bringing it up. But, you know, what I did here was like, hey, there's a very definitive line, you know, at 15 weeks that Mississippi is trying to instill. And so the prosecution came up and said, well, if you approve 15 weeks, then why not 13? Why not 10? Why not 8? And I think it was Clarence Thomas that said, well, 13, 10, and 8 is not on trial right now. Right now it's 15. So, you know, when that and basically what he was saying was, hey, you want to challenge 13 weeks, then you go back through the procedure in the court of law, right, to challenge 13 weeks, 10 weeks, 8 weeks, whatever, talking about viability. Uh, but that does play a very fine line in there where, you know, the mother's rights, uh, when is the baby, you know, when do you, you know, say, okay, the baby's alive and also has rights and this and that. The other piece that you have to look at is, you know, and something I did not hear uh, from either side, and, and maybe I just missed it because there was a lot of legalese and this and that, but uh, at what point, you know, I didn't hear any responsibility from the consenting parties to get pregnant. I mean, you always hear, you know, you can't force me to carry this baby. You can't, nobody forced you to carry that, right? Nobody forced, I mean, you, you, there, were, there were obviously actions that led up to that before that. And now you've had four months. And, and I'm trying not to let my personal opinion get in there, but this, these are things that I'm thinking that like, hey, why isn't this, this being asked? And so we've just kind of pushed, blown all through the, you know, there, there are consequences for every action out there good or bad or, or whatever. And, and we're kind of skipping over number one and just going to two, three, four, and five. And it's like, hey, there is some responsibility to be accepted up front. Um, my, my one opinion, and I'll, and I'll throw it out to, to Josh after this, but I do believe after this, uh, I think they're going to throw it to the states. Josh said it best, and, and this is what all the, the pundits are saying. They're not outlawing or banning abortions. 
Okay, contrary to what you're going to see on CNN and MSNBC, they're not outlawing them. They're not banning them. They're not saying you can't have them. They're just saying, guess what? It's a state's right. They will make that determination. Uh, and, 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 you know, what you're saying with the, the right to an abortion in the Constitution, it's just like the right to vote. You know, I know the pundits will say, well, there's been Supreme Court rulings that say, hey, find that for me in the Constitution. There's a lot of things saying you can't discriminate based on. But again, those are those are pundits that come out and they they throw their narrative out there and their spin to make it fit their agenda, and they throw it out. And, and I'm with Josh. Hey, if you want it federalized and, and you want a federal law, ratify it. If you want, if you again, if you want it the other way, ratify it. I have no issues with that. It's like the two A. If you don't like the Second Amendment, then change it and get it ratified. I mean, period. It, it's it's that simple. But until then, I'm going to go with, you know, what the letter of the law is on that. So I'll kick it over to Josh for uh, some of his thoughts on it. Yeah, you're spot on with the uh, with the responsibility piece, right? So, you know, we're talking about who's, you know, whose responsibility is it, you know, to make sure abortions are legal or, you know, available, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, okay, well, there's a level of responsibility of the person. We all know how it happens. It's not... You know, there was only one magic, there was only one magic birth who, you know, happened, uh, you know, based on a miracle. And, uh, you know, the majority of people running around pregnant today, you ain't it. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all know how it happens. Um, and so if you don't want to get pregnant, if you want a 100%, 100% chance of not getting pregnant, you know what you should not do. It's truly that simple. If you do that, yeah, sure. There's a chance you you may get pregnant. You know, I, if I don't want to be in a car wreck, there's a 100% way I can assure that. I can stay in my house and never get in a car. It's worked in every case except for one, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and so, it, you know, it is a personal responsibility. You are making a personal choice. Um, and everybody knows what the consequences of that are. They teach you that in middle school these days. I know because I have three teenagers. Right. So they're still teaching it in school. My three teenagers know exactly how that happens. And so they know what level of responsibility they have to ensure, you know, that that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's not going to be that abortion is banned. There will be states that allow it. And if you don't live in one of those states, then you are more than welcome, I'm sure, to travel to that state and get it done. Or you can pack up your shit and move to one of said states that will allow it. And that's fine. If you don't like the state in which you live and their laws, you are more than welcome to move. It's truly that simple. And we have to get back to, we have to get back to the 10th amendment that, you know, those powers not directly provided, you know, given to the federal government thus resides with the States. And this is not a federal government issue and it never should have been. Roe v. Wade was poorly written to begin with. It was poorly argued. And it, almost every legal scholar, even those on the other side have said so. They're like, this is a really bad law. And that's why part of the reason why the left is so, afraid of this case come out of Mississippi because they know that Roe v. Wade is poorly written, poorly argued, and they are they they know they have a very, very good chance of that getting overturned and and them losing it. So I'll uh I'll we gotta kick it around one last uh one last time real quick and uh and close it out. I'll kick it over to Luke, get his uh get his final thoughts and uh yeah. we'll, we'll get this thing closed. Yeah, I'll do kind of a grab bag of final thoughts. I encourage everyone to keep a close eye on the probably close to 200,000 troops uh, around Ukraine, see what they're going to Russian troops, 
uh, border of Ukraine and then to the Donbass and then the Crimean Peninsula, that could turn into something kind of crazy. So keep an eye on that. Um, I, I'd encourage you all to go to, uh, I was looking at my bobbleheads here. I got a Ronald Reagan and a DJT bobblehead. I kind of like that kind of stuff. And I looked into a DeSantis bobblehead. I was like, can I get a DeSantis bobblehead? It took me to their site and DeSantis, <laughs> his, uh, his, his, uh, merchandise site, he, he, his team has put together a don't tread on me flag. And it's the same as, you know, the don't tread on me thing with the snake, but it has an alligator. <laughs> that was kind of cool. I might get one of those flags, even though I don't really have much to do with Florida, but I like the way Florida is handling uh, things right now. I like the way Florida is running their state. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. The don't tread on me with an alligator instead of a snake. And uh, shout outs, I guess I'll give a couple shout outs. Uh, I think I've given this one before, but uh, Texas parks and wildlife, especially the game wardens, uh, they just do a great job here and they do the Lord's work out there. I know a lot of people don't like them, but uh, they take a real conservationist uh, approach to handling game in the state of Texas that I actually really agree with. Uh, And also the uh, Stratford Elks football team, they're heading to their final playoff game uh, to go to state. Uh, Good luck to them. And the Motley County Matador six man football is uh, heading to the state game in Arlington in a couple weeks. So, Congratulations to those boys. Uh, they worked real hard and uh, really good football teams. I hope they represent the High Plains and South Plains. Uh, that's all I have for this week. Uh, maybe one of these days we can talk about high school football and college football uh, pretty soon because that, that's going to be – I think it's going to be a fun bowl series uh, in, in most cases. We can revisit Roger and Josh's little uh, <laughs> little argument about uh, parity in college football because that's been a lot of fun. So, Roger, that's all I have uh, – Everybody, uh, it's been it's good to be back, and uh, we'll kick out another one pretty soon. So, a couple big ticket items that we didn't cover yet, and I think we're going to see this in the next next couple episodes, next couple weeks. One, the Gislaine Maxwell uh, trial. I think we actually had one of our listeners come and say, "Hey, can you comment on it?" So, this is a short and sweet one. And, and right now, so far from what I've seen, and I haven't watched any of the tests. I don't even know if they're televising any of it. I'm just kind of catching snippets off of Twitter and, and what I'm seeing uh, on the news. But hey, Jeffrey Epstein's dead. Okay. Uh, he got suicided, so he's no longer in the picture. So the top of that, that pyramid is now, uh, Maxwell. And my personal opinion on this is she obviously, cause that we're all the same, Like I want to know names. Everybody in America is like, Hey, I'm ready for the names. That is never going to happen. Uh, because I can almost guarantee, uh, just with some common sense that those, uh, behind the scenes in the power, those that are, that, you know, would be indicted, those that are associated that have taken the trips and this and that, uh, these folks have gone to the DA or the prosecution like, hey, we are not offering any deals because we don't want anything else. Prosecutor, it is what it is, uh, and it doesn't go beyond that. And, and so far, uh, from what I've heard, at least what I'm reading in, on the Twitter and uh, some of the news, it's really nothing different than what we've already seen and heard, right? Uh, you know, she was responsible for, from, you know, allegedly responsible for bringing young ladies in, uh, and they did some, you know, obviously a lot of bad things, these ladies, and groomed them and, and what have you. And uh, so far, they're bringing in like the caretaker and some folks that were around the house and, and some, you know, some butlers and this and that, housekeepers, uh, and they're all kind of testifying to that. Um, so there'll be more to follow on that. But as I keep reading this, I'm just like, man, I kind of see this blueprint. Like, I, I don't really see names coming out. I don't see it because that would be the one thing is like, hey, let's offer her immunity. I want the black book. I want the 500 names because you're going to see some high profile folks in there. And, and I think we all know how politics work, uh, especially with the DA. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the, with the next one I'm going to talk about here. But a lot of those high profile folks are like, no deals, 
We don't need anything else. She is the top of the pyramid. Epstein's not in the picture. Prosecutor for what it is. And I think that's eventually how that plays out unless some bombshell comes out. I mean, if I was her, I'd probably say, hey, put me on the stand because I'm just going to start reading names off anyway, right? Uh, but then again, she might uh, suicide herself after that as well. Uh, the next big one that I want to, you know, this is this is in the news, man. And you, and you, and you ladies and gentlemen out there, you got to follow this thing. What's going on in, in Michigan with James and, and Jennifer Crumbly? Right, everybody knows about the school shooting, what happened with the kid. That's one incident, um, which you can also say, hey, you know what? Prior to this, they had a meeting with the school administrators. I'm kind of curious if that included a doctor or a psych. Uh, and the parents, and they deemed the kid was fit to go back to school. So that's pretty interesting. Could bring up some additional charges. But my question is, how do you charge the parents with, I think it's like negligent homicide or whatever, right? Uh, they charge them because, you know, they, they basically they left the gun out that was uh, easily accessible by, by the kid. But then you turn around, or involuntary manslaughter, thanks. Uh, but then you turn around and you charge the kid as an adult. The two charges don't go hand in hand. Uh, and then I'm kind of curious to see what other charges come out of this. And when you look into this case, I mean, they were talking about, uh, they had the sheriff interview on Fox News the other day saying, yeah, I was blindsided. I mean, you know, when they, so they were both released on $500,000 bond payment in full. They said they were a flight risk. And at the time this was all going, nobody knew there was a warrant. I mean, even the, the sheriff was like, I didn't know there was a warrant for their arrest until I saw it on the news. And he's like, now we're caught Blonde, but they had already called a bolo with the U.S. Marshals. So now when the process, and again, this goes back to like the Rittenhouse case, right? This was all set up. So they go in front of the, the judge and they're like, hey, we had a bolo out. The U.S. Marshals were looking, da, da, da. It's like, well, yeah, because when you did that, nobody knew there was a warrant. You know, and I think the sheriff and I caught a snippet of the interview. Uh, you know, he was even like, hey, we would have liked to have handled this different. And I think what he was getting at was let's not publicize any of this stuff. Tell me there's a warrant for an arrest. Uh, let me go to the house. Hey, and we do the arrest. We do it quietly and this and that. We don't have cameras there. You don't get involved, you know, involve the marshals and this and that. They did that way before they involved uh, the sheriff. And I'm more concerned to see how this case turns out because now you start talking about we're going to charge the parents. Even though he's being charged as an adult, we're going to charge the parents because they had, you know, the gun was accessible. Uh, so then, hey, take it a step farther. You had a meeting a day or two prior with the school administrators. You should charge them too right? They're the ones that said, you know, the kid drew a picture uh, of, you know, somebody or whatever shooting other kids with a pistol on a piece of paper saying, I can't, you know, I, I can't make the, the, the thoughts stop. Okay. That's an indicator to me. It was like, Hey, this kid needs some help. Let's get the kid help. And you know what? I'm probably not going to the principal waiting for their guidance on, I'm like, I'm going to take this kid to a doc or a psych or something. Right? So it's like, Hey, if you're going to hold the parents liable, hold them all liable. But it's not, it's not about that, right? And they're immediately going to turn this and flip it into a, a 2A argument. So with that, I'll kick it over to Josh for any of his last-second thoughts, either on the Michigan case or the Gislaine-Maxwell uh, case. And, uh, oh, yeah, LeBron James, he's a bitch. Uh, just let you know that. I'm sure everybody's been following that, his, his whole suspension and then, and then throwing fans out. And one last thing real quick. So this, this goes back to my AEW plug, right? If you guys and gals have not seen the, I think it was two weeks ago now, their promo that uh, CM Punk and MJF did. Uh, it's about 22 minutes long, and I tell you what, it is, it is probably the best promo I have seen since the Attitude Era. It truly takes me back to like The Rock and Triple H and Stone Cold. It was fantastic, and you know it's fantastic because the fans love it, 
But the old school, like WWE folks that are still in WWE, are like, yeah, it was too long. It, it, it missed the point. You know, it was kind of pointless. I'm like, that's funny because they're starting to kick your ass in ratings every week now. Now it's not just an anomaly, right? It's starting to happen every week. So it is on YouTube. Google the uh, AEW promo, CM Punk, MJF for you wrestling folks out there. Uh, so that's all I have. Josh, over to you. Yeah, real quick before I close it out, um, everybody, don't let don't let the media memory hold the Waukesha uh, Christmas parade murders, uh, where allegedly Mr. Daryl Brooks, who had been released on a thousand dollars bond after an extensive extensive criminal history uh, and an extensive social media history of posting pro Black Lives Matter anti-Trump, anti-white uh, post, uh, you know, immediately after the uh, verdicts in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, uh, you know, drove his car through a Christmas parade, uh, killing multiple people, I think killed six people when I was like an eight-year-old boy and uh, everything in the media, you know, of course, has treated that like, oh yeah, uh, you know, a, a driver, you know, ran into a Christmas parade, you know, blah, blah, like, you know, and then they were like, oh, well, you know, he, he missed a turn and ran into a Christmas parade. It's like when you can see video of the car, like actively, you know, driving at people and swerving to miss cars so they can hit people. Yeah. That's not what happened. Um, but we, we've said it before. Our media is dog shit. So don't let that one go. Mr. Daryl Brooks, uh, black lives matter. All those people on the left, you killed that. You killed those, you, you killed that kid. You killed those people. You're just as guilty, uh, for, uh, for your anti-white rhetoric and your shitty reporting on the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, which I hope he sues the shit out of everybody uh, for, uh, for defamation. Um, so I'll close it out with that. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll give you, you know, we'll get shout outs and everything on the, uh, on the next episode, Jason in Louisiana have forgotten about you. Uh, keep, uh, keep supporting us, keep listening. And until next time, go check out Carlton Zeus, www.carltonzeus.com, Apple Music, Carlton Zeus. And until we see you again, keep those canteen cups full and tightly secured.